gonna say what date it is, but you know what? I don't even wanna. Let's not even age it by date, you know? Hey everybody, welcome to Our 20s Are Hella Confusing. And this is gonna be the, the fourth episode. And it's been a little bit since I made the third episode, but it doesn't even matter because the first three are up on Wooshka, but I haven't been able to successfully get them on Spotify and iTunes yet. So they might as well not even exist. They might as well not even exist because they're not on those big platforms yet. (laughs) But I'm working on it. It's a Monday night. I thank you for being here. Hopefully something in this episode today, you know, will will bring you some clarity, some reflection, some peace, some progress, some feeling like you're not alone in what you're going through. What a crazy couple of weeks it's been, huh? What a crazy couple of weeks. And you probably relate to that. And if you don't relate to that, are you a human? Are you a human being? Because, yo, we've all had crazy weeks, crazy life is happening and, um, You know, the first thing that I want to bring up is that the cultivation of gratitude really works. It really does work. I lately have found myself more easily being grateful for my present moment, which is very difficult, which does take a large amount of work. And I think it's because all of us, you know, have our expectations so sky high and our You know, minds just are naturally geared to focus on the negative things that are going on, how we're falling short, how we're not living up to our expectations of ourselves, maximizing our potential every goddamn motherfucking second. But you know what? I just finished this book called, was it The Happiness Curve by, oh man, Jonathan Rausch, I think, who's a journalist, you know, an award-winning journalist back in the States. And... It's about midlife crises and how it is a very, very common phenomenon. And he goes more in depth about like, you know, what that actually is. And, you know, I could get all into that, but I won't. I will say, you know, as a 26-year-old, it was a very interesting book to read about the phenomenon that is going to, you know, likely happen once I've doubled my age, maybe a little bit less than double, maybe in my early 40s. He just talks about how it just, for like a good decade of his life, you know, if you asked his like thinking brain, if you're like, hey, are you grateful? He's like, he'd say, of course, I'm grateful. Of course, I'm grateful. Like, it's the obvious thing to say I'm grateful. But did he actually feel that on a deep level? Was he able to internalize that as part of his sensory experience? No, like it was very like difficult for him to feel grateful. So there was a very large rift between him knowing how grateful he should feel or wanted to feel for the things that were going on in his life and just being completely unable to actually experience that gratitude. And he talks about how it became easier to experience that gratitude for those things as he aged, which really helped his happiness and his satisfaction. And I feel like to a large extent, you know, our uh, I feel like we're having our middle life crises. You know what I'm saying? Our quarter life crises, when you see all the motherfuckers and Lambos fucking doing front flips into the blue water of the Maldives and they're the fucking same age as you and you're working a shit job and they're having a good time and it's it becomes exceedingly grateful to you know be appreciative of the life that so many of us you know lead in our 20s when you're seeing all of these other people in their 20s on Instagram who seem to be living like motherfucking rock stars baby like motherfucking rock stars. And uh, all that being said, you know, and uh, even with the uh, the sky high, as I mentioned, expectations I had for myself, fame and fortunes and acting success, all that stuff, I've been feeling a, a lot more gratitude, like it's actually coming on a very visceral level for the moment to moment, for the day to day, because at any time, We all have countless things in our lives we could focus on to make us unhappy and countless things to focus on to make us happy. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, I can tell you, you're going to be happier if you focus on the positive. You've heard that a million times. You know that. And yet we still don't do it. Yet it's still hard. But I've been cultivating, trying to do it. And it's been working. And it's been fucking working. You know, I lost my fucking passport the other day. I lost my fucking passport and I'm here in Australia 
And that's not a good thing to lose when you're just on a one year, you know, working holiday visa. And I was like looking all around. I was like, where the hell is my goddamn passport? And I just come from Officeworks, which is like Australia's like staples, kind of, or some shit like that. Office Depot. And I was like, all right, um, I fucking let me call Officeworks. Maybe I left it there. I fucking call Officeworks. And the fucking motherfucker on the phone is like, no, yeah, sorry. No, there's no passport. No, yeah, look, let me, oh, let me check with someone else. Oh, yeah, there's no passport. Sorry. I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know where it is. And I thought it would pop up somewhere. I looked around, I looked around. Weeks pass. And I think, you know what? Let me just physically go to Officeworks. I'm just going to double, like, let me not trust that employee. Let me just go. I go to Officeworks, you know, weeks after I had lost it. I asked the person, hey, um, you guys have an American passport, Jeremy Griffith? Within five seconds, this motherfucker pulls the passport out. They had the passport. They had the freaking passport. I got lied to. I felt like a goddamn fool, but at least I have my passport now, you know, and it's all good and it's all good. But you know what that taught me? The difference between fucking, I don't know what that taught me, actually. Trust your gut. Because <laughs> I think sometimes you, you can, you can, we can get up in this place where it's like, ah, no, like logic is telling us don't bother. Like, oh, it's, that's not going to work or that's not how it works. Don't even try. Like, ah, oh, you already found out they don't have your passport. But something was just telling me, just go, just go. And I went and look what happened. Look what happened. Everything would be there to tell me, don't even waste your time. But I quote unquote, wasted my time, found my fucking passport. My gosh. And also just lately, you know, I've, I've really realized the difference between building your own shit and working for someone day in and day out. Like, it's actually amazing to me that all people aren't entrepreneurs and business owners, and having their own thing, because just like being an employee for someone is just so shitty. Like, I feel like the the actual, you know, percentage of people that are able to be happy working for somebody must be so small. It must be for like only the most amazing companies. Because so many people are just like slaves of, of something else, of, of something else's vision, and you just go there to earn money, which I understand you need to be detached in a way and understand that. So you can just do that and you can earn money. But at the same time, I just can't believe people do that for decades and decades. You know, like if I wasn't doing other stuff on the side while I was working for the company, I would be so miserable. I would be so, so miserable and Oh man, I can't even imagine a life like never building my own thing. Like if I literally just worked at the call center like every day and then I was like, oh, okay, well, now I'll go work for a better company. Oh, let me learn this skill and then I'll just totally transition branches and now I'll work at a nonprofit and I'll do their marketing or I'll do their, um, you know, I'll, I'll be in charge of the, what the heck was I just reading about today? Oh my gosh. All I'm saying is no matter how amazing the skill or the field is, I just know I'll never be happy just being like constantly working for somebody. Even though at the end of the day, I do think the most important thing is to do things that help other people, particularly people who are less well off than yourself. And I think there are ways to be fulfilled doing that, doing kinds of work that are not quote unquote, your thing you built yourself, being an employee that is performing a task that allows you to be of service to people. And I think that's dope. But at the end of the day, your boy's trying to have a TV show. Your boy's trying to have a motherfucking company. You know. You know. That's just what you... That's just what you got. No, you don't got to do that. I got to do that. That's just me. That's just me, man. You know what else I've been thinking about lately? How fucking... Because I was reading Think and Grow Rich. And this motherfucker's talking about all these things we just can't explain. And he brings up like the fucking ocean waves and gravity and shit. I was like, damn, how fucking crazy is that actually? Like, I understand, like, Einstein's theory. I mean, on a very rudimentary level, I'm sure if there's a fucking astrophysicist, I'm like, well, Jeremy, let me actually go more in depth in this, and he'll fucking school me. But you know what? This podcast is called Our Hella Confusing 20s. I don't think any motherfucking astrophysicist would listen to this. So if you're listening to this, you're probably as smart as me, or you're fucking dumber than me. So appreciate this right now. Appreciate this right now. We don't understand why gravity exists. It just 
happens. It tethers us to the earth. It throws things to the earth. The waves are pulled by gravity and the fucking tides are controlled by the relationship of the gravity between the earth and the moon. And that's just constantly happening. But why? What is powering that? And of course, you know, the Einstein, the rudimentary theory I was going to say is, you know, space time exists in four dimensions. And when there is a large enough mass, it, you know, creates a disturbance in the space time. And the, the, the effort to equalize that is gravity, you know, pulling things in toward that huge mass that is disrupting space time. That is stuck in the middle of space-time. It's like if you had a fucking fabric and you put a ball in the middle and the, the fabric is space-time and the ball is now Earth and then so now there's a there's that thing pushing on that fabric and so the force that, you know, counters is gravity. But still, if you think about that, how little fucking sense does that make? You know what I'm saying? What the fuck are you talking about, Einstein? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, Einstein? Fucking ripple in space time and the force pulls. He, this motherfucker was on acid probably. <laughs> That's why his tongue's out. He just put a tab on it. <laughs> the famous photo with Einstein with his fucking tongue out. Oh my gosh. But I'm just, the wonder of ocean waves and gravity is amazing. It blows my mind. And it goes back to the other Einstein quote, right? It's like, there's two ways to live life. One is if everything is a miracle. And the one is if nothing is, I don't know if he said that he said something about like, you know, you got to maintain childlike, you got to be wrapped in amazement at nature. Like that's the way to be like, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I'm fucking loosely paraphrasing. I don't know if Einstein said shit. But yo, I fuck with the essence of that quote, dog. You feel me? I fuck with the essence of that quote, dog. And so anyway, I was listening to this podcast and there was this guy uh, named Adam Robinson. And, uh, you know, something that he was talking about is that as a, like a human phenomenon is like people always fucking wait till it's too late to benefit from something to do it. What does that mean? Let's say a fucking stock it you own is falling in price. You're like, oh, what the fuck? That makes no sense. It's falling. No, 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 no. It's gotta, it's gotta stop. It's gotta stop falling. And, uh, you know, this is just, this is not how it's supposed to be. You know, the way it's supposed to be will come back. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna turn around and it keeps on falling, keeps on falling. You keep telling yourself and it's anomaly. You've refused to notice what's happening. And then finally there's so, so much information or it's been falling for months and months and you're finally like, oh, fuck, it's just falling. It's just falling. And I remember my Tai Chi teacher, Sherry, talked about so many times we enter a situation. Our intuition tells us there's danger. Yet we sit there and wait for something bad to actually happen to be like, oh, yeah, no, my intuition was right. This, why oh, I burped, excuse me. This is a dangerous situation. Now it's time to leave. Like if we just, I mean, obviously don't be impulsive. But people don't trust themselves enough. You know, people don't trust themselves enough. And if you did trust yourself enough, think of how great that would be. Like, let's say you're so dissatisfied in your job. You're like, fuck, like, I hate this job. I want to go somewhere else. But like, oh, maybe it's better. Are other people satisfied? Oh, maybe I'm fucking weird because I'm not satisfied. And you try to fucking aggregate all this data. You ask your coworkers on the low, low, hey, are you unsatisfied? Hey, how do you feel about work? Finally, like fucking years later, like, oh, fucking everyone hates it here. Yeah, I'm justified in hating it. I should have left a long time ago. You fucking wasted all those months or years working there. Trust yourself, you know, but also don't be too rash. You know, you got to make informed decisions. You got to be a little bit careful. And uh, something this Adam Robinson guy said too, that I really appreciated was he was talking about, you know, the craziness of your 20s. And, uh, you know, the, the craziness of actually just being out of school, technically, just getting out of school and being in the world for the first time. And he was saying such an unrelated, under uh, yeah, underrated quality is unrelenting enthusiasm in everything that you do, because people will want to be around you. And he seemed very aware of the fact that a lot of us are working in jobs we don't particularly care about. We don't particularly want to be in, you know, we don't wake up in the morning, you know, excited to go to those things. But he was really just like stressing like, you know, I wish someone had told me this, just like really just be enthusiastic in whatever you do, what you'll learn, the connections you make, what you learn about yourself. It's really going to pay off. 
so you can be even better at that next thing you do, hopefully moving towards something that is more fulfilling, that gives you more passion, you know? Because he just talks about how like things are at once going way slower than you want them to and that you, the, the way slower than you thought they would go, but also way quicker in other, way, in other ways. And you're going to look back and be like, oh, fuck, so much fucking time passed. Like, oh my God, that went by in the blink of an eye. And I fuck with that, you know? Like and the way I interpret that is just like in terms of career progression and the kind of work I wanted to do, you know, and, and the kind of work I thought I'd be generating. You know, life is definitely moving very, very slowly in those regards, but also life as a whole is zipping by. And there's so, so much I've experienced. There's so, so much richness there and growth that has happened while my quote unquote dreams and aspirations have been you know, at a kind of steady drip, a lot of other really amazing stuff has happened. And, you know, I'm a totally different person. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, and I'm, and that's why it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. Like, I'm work, I'm feeling more and more grateful for the present moment. Like, let's say you're a fucking listener to this podcast right now. And like, let's say in five years, I'm a fucking multimillionaire and I have like my own show. You know what I mean? Like, how fucking crazy will that be? And I I mean, I guess it'll be real, but like this shit right now is also so important and is so real. And if that never happens, like, I think it's important for people like us who are regular people and like just living regular lives to really just feel like what we're doing is important and what we're doing matters And that really gives us hope, like, to be okay, like, oh, even if I don't become this super rich person, super well-known, super quote-unquote successful in the way that I wanted to be successful, like, it's still so important, it's still so worthwhile, it's still so valid. Like, at the end of the day, what do we really have than our, the way we made each other feel and the way we ourselves felt, you know? Like, feelings, like, Tom Bill, you said this shit, like, we could all just be fucking brains in a tank just experiencing sensations, you know, I mean, I don't think that's true, but like, you know, we could be in a fucking quote unquote simulation and all that matters is how we feel. So let's try to feel good. Let's try to make each other feel good, you know, and just do things for other people. Like without this kind of the selfishness that can take over in the ego, like I want to be important. I want to be special. I want to be recognized for being important and special. Like, that's so human. That's something that wells up within us. And, uh, you know, to an extent, yeah, like, go for those things that are super, super important. But even the Middle Age book is talking about all these motherfuckers with sky-high aspirations in their 20s. They want to do all these things. You know, and even the ones that accomplish amazing fucking things start to be in their 40s and 50s like, oh, is this all there is to life? And, you know, they realize that these business aspirations these dreams they had, these professional goals, once they've achieved these things they've wanted for so long that they wanted that clout, they wanted that, you know, respect, they get it and they're like, oh, wow, this doesn't fulfill me. This doesn't make me happy. And like, you know, I'm, and like the guy, the author, Jonathan Rausch was, you know, contemplating, perhaps that's human nature. You know, when we need to have that insane drive in our youth, so we can, I guess, push the species forward and innovate and do all these crazy things. And then when we get older, it kind of calms down so we can mentor, so we can appreciate the lives that we have, you know, so we can just uh, appreciate the people in our lives more. And I read that and I'm like, fuck, bro, I'm trying to do that now. I'm not trying to wait till after my fucking midlife crisis. You know, like I want to be able to cultivate that now because I think that's a beautiful way to live life. And how do I balance that? with still being, you know, ambitious to a certain extent and still building things that I think are valuable to other people and, and are important. And in, in my case in particular, you know, I guess that is with a TV show that, you know, um, could hopefully encourage empathy, can hopefully show some different experiences, but also most importantly, like help people laugh. You know, I just want people to just have a good time and just have a silly fucking little shits and giggles, you know, because life's too serious. And I just wanted to be like, ha ha ha, oh my God, that was so funny. That's so crazy. That's outlandish. How good a word is outlandish? Yo, that's outlandish. Like, what's fucking inlandish, you know? Oh, damn, that's so inlandish. Like, something very normal? Oh, what if people started saying that? 
for like normal shit. Damn, bro, that's so inlandish of you. You're such a sheep. Hey, bro, you've been moving inland. Hey, motherfucker, you've been moving inland. Anyway, outlandish. Great word. Oh, my God. Damn, I fucking... Oh, man. If I was like a brand and a lot of motherfuckers like listen to this or I would fucking... I should put that in a fucking episode of something inlandish. That'll be on t-shirts at fucking Hot Topic and... Oh, man, what's the Australian equivalent of Hot Topic? I don't know. Where they just sell like cultural shirts and shit. Inlandish, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Another good thing that uh, Adam Robinson said that I liked a lot was, which ball can I drop right now to get a better manage on all the others? That's great, huh? Like how much are we, you know, overextending ourselves, trying to do way too much? How can we, you know, cut back and just really focus on doing a few things or even doing one thing, just like the very, very best that we can, you know, making it something worthwhile? Oh, shit, baby. Oh, shit, baby. I also listened to, a, it was like Tim Ferriss has like that, not new, I don't know how new it is, but it's his newest book, Tribe of Mentors, and the stand-up comic Whitney Cummings, I guess, has a chapter in it, and I listened to like a mini podcast that I think is just her narrating it, but something she said that I loved was she said, um, um, fuck networking, just get better, and the opportunities that you deserve will naturally present themselves. How fucking dope is that too? I remember I saw some a similar thing and where did I see it? Where they were talking about, oh no, I think it was the trailer for Steve Martin's masterclass. He was like, everybody, you know, is in comedy is like, how do I, you know, make this connection or how do I meet this person who can do that? He's like, nobody just wants to become undeniably good. Just get like so, 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 so good where people watch you and like, oh, like, oh, fuck. But of course that makes sense. Because who cares if someone puts you on, you know, they give you a chance to do your fucking work in front of, you know, 50,000 people. If you're not connecting with those people and giving them a worthwhile experience, nothing's going to come from that, you know, versus if you can fucking, you know, rock their socks off. If you can rock five people's socks off and they're like, oh, my God, I got to tell my friends about this guy, about this girl. They, and the word gets out and you just are able to give these really impactful experiences to small groups of people and you're able to do that consistently. It's going to become bigger and bigger groups. And before you know it, you're going to be rocking the fucking socks off Madison Square Garden, baby. Kudos Bank Arena, baby. I also love that she like talked about, you know, cut out doing things from fear, obligation and guilt. I mean, I, that's something. Could we even go deeper into that? That's pretty obvious, right? I think a lot of us, myself included, we do things out of fear. We do things because we feel we're obligated to, to see people, to do things for people, whatever. Because we're guilty. Oh, I'd feel guilty if I didn't do this. I feel like I have to. But fuck that. You know, how much healthier mentally would you be? How much happier would you be with your state if you were doing things because you're passionate about them? And that doesn't mean just always be selfish. You know, unless you're a person that genuinely never wants to do anything for anyone else that doesn't get joy out of doing good things for people, then maybe, you know, sometimes do things out of guilt. (laughs) But I think most of us, you know, for the people we love, you genuinely get such amazing feelings doing things for them, uh, you know. And so that's not out of fear, obligation or guilt. It's the fear, obligation, guilt stuff that fucks you up and takes you away from your purpose. And you end up doing it half ass and then no one's happy anyway. Because, like, why'd you even fucking do it for me if you didn't want to do it? And it's like, motherfucker, you wanted me to do it. And it just, it's never good, baby. It's never good. Oh, my God, Whitney Cummings also made a fucking, like, a special uh, thing on her. I've, I've actually taken this, and I can vouch for it. This fucking helps. Whitney Cummings made, like, a, a custom folder of photos on her phone of, like, calm photos, funny photos, happy photos, like little factoid memes of like neurology screenshots that are helpful for her family, loved ones, vacation, you know, quotes, books, soothing images. And it helps her remember like what's important, what's temporary. It grounds her. If she just has a few seconds between things to like look through some of the photos, she'll do it and it helps her feel better. And I got to say, I made one and I was looking through it and it's like a lot, it's like a lot of pictures of like Monica and I, destinations I'd imagine us to go in the future. And it always, always gives me such a boost of mood. Like, I can be like, oh my god, I made all these shitty calls. I'm fucking going for a bludge in the bathroom. 
And I'll just look at the folder real quick. I'm like, oh, fuck, life is great. Life has been great. Life will be great again. You know, it's such a good reminder. It's such a, oh, man, I highly recommend Whitney Cummings' recommendation of that folder. And she was saying, oh, this works for me. It might not work for you. You know, find whatever works for you to give you that boost. But, yo, Jeremy Griffith right here, bro? Jeremy Griffith right here? Uh, Not funny, funny guy? It works for me. It works for me. <laughs> and I was listening to like a a Robin Sharma thing. He was like a big like life coach of like a lot of high performance people. And he's like a freaking, what did he write? The monk who gave up his business? I don't know, some shit like that. Some fucking title like that. I'm not even going to look it up. Sorry, Robin Sharma. But if you look up Robin Sharma, he's dope. He's a real cool guy. But uh, I was listening to one of his podcasts and he said like, a bad day for the ego. Oh my God, my fucking podcast is like a podcast aggregator. Here's all the shit that Jeremy found useful this week. Well, whatever, man. Try to make it entertaining. (laughs) But he was saying a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. And that was something I liked a lot. You know? Because it's like we are constantly trying to feed our egos and our sense of self. And then the more you realize that it's like, you know, when you, when it's taken down a peg, it forces you to realize maybe I'm not all this hot shit. Oh, maybe I'm not special. Oh, maybe I'm just blah, blah, blah. But then what that does is that puts you in more in touch with the commonalities between us. At least it does for me. And that's always great for my soul, quote unquote soul. And I guess it's a hard thing to define. Obviously being raised Christian. Now I'm not Christian. I don't even know how I define soul. I guess it's like je ne sais quoi. That's like just makes you you, makes you a person. I think it's tied to consciousness in a way. You know, I feel like our soul is part of what gives us consciousness. And maybe that's why AI will never be conscious of itself because they don't have a fucking soul. And you can't replicate a soul no matter how many, you know, self-learning intelligence, blah, 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 you make. I don't know, you can fucking try to prove me wrong on that if you're like a big AI freak and say, no, Jimmy, we're going to make them have souls. AI will be conscious. If you believe that, I'm actually fucking curious. I'd be curious to have someone on the podcast like that, just really going in depth on why they believe AI will eventually develop consciousness and why AI will be able to have a soul. And what is a soul? Is a soul real to someone who believes so much in AI? I don't know. I believe in souls. Oh, no. Another great thing that fucking Robin Sharma said. He said this, imagine how your life would be if you had joy despite the outcomes, that's where the legends play. Oh, how great is that? Like this podcast I'm making, nobody listens to it. I still have joy because I made it. You know, a fucking TV show that I'm like, part of me is hoping people love it and it becomes very successful. I make it. No one cares. I spent years making it. People think it's shit but I'm still happy because I made it? Yo, if you can get to that place, you'll be happy no matter what. Nothing will get your mood down, you know? If you don't let anything disappoint you, if you're happy, if you're just grateful for the experience and having gotten to try, oh, I can see why that's where the legends play. Because then you're just, you just have the spirit within you, the belief and the power to just keep on doing more and more things. Like, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. And like, you don't let fear and judgment ever bog you down from doing the things you're passionate about. How great is that? How great is that? Oh, here's another one thing he said. Comparison is the thief of joy. Did he say this? Pursue your own shit. Trust your journey. Fuck the crowd. Maybe those are my annotations. Maybe those are my annotations, but uh, I don't even really want to say that. That's such an obvious one. We all know that human nature is to compare yourself to others. And the more you pursue your own thing and trust your journey, you'll be better. Oh, but you know what's an interesting perspective on it that the fucking middle life crisis guy talked about when he was in his 40s? Well, like when, oh, no, sorry, when he was like 20, he assumed to himself, oh, when I'm 40, I'm going to compare where I'm at to where I thought I would be at when I was in my 20s. So like, okay, now I'm 20-year-old Jonathan. When I'm 40-year-old Jonathan, I'm like, damn, 20-year-old Jonathan would be so proud of me right now. But that's not how the human mind works. 
You get to your 40s, and instead of realizing how grateful you would have been for your present situation in your 20s, you're like, damn, all these other 40-year-olds have more money than me and more success than me. You look at your like social surroundings. That's where you fuck yourself up because you're not running your own race anymore. You're trying to run a race against other people who have nothing to do with you and are nothing like, well, we're all the same. But you know what I mean? They're living their own lives. And they are looking around too like, fuck, I don't have as much as this person or that person or that or I didn't do this. Whereas if all of us were looking back 10 years, I think we'd all be so proud. We'd all be so happy like, dude, look. Dude, dude, look where you are. Look how you've grown. Look what you've achieved. That's something I'm trying to remember every day is just compare myself to myself. And that's it. You know, that's it. And sometimes it can be empowering to see somebody who's shit and be like, oh, damn, they had that success. I'm better than that. I can fucking get that success and more because I'll do this. And eh, that can be tempting. I get it. But that's a fucking asshole thing to do. Even if you're the only person who knows you did it, like how fucked is that, you know, to like need to look down on someone else or like put down someone else to be able to feel good about yourself? Like, no. Better to just get juice out of where you've been and where you're going. Another thing Robin Sharma said is that the this guy, the reason I trust this phrase from him is because he has been around the highest performing people in so many fields and been like a life coach to them, a guide to them, a mentor to them, uh, just trying to help them optimize. And he said, in his experience, the most loving person in the room wins. And I think a lot of times people are afraid. You know, you're afraid that someone, if, you, if you're too loving or too kind, like someone will come up on you or they'll take advantage of you or they'll do all this. But just him saying that is just so validating. Like the most loving person in the room wins. And the people who are the highest winners, like I just, just want to give back and want to help out. And that was very encouraging. You know, that was very encouraging. Oh, wow. I have a lot of notes on here. Can I just ask something? What's up with the, what's up with motherfuckers whistling in the bathroom? You know, I was in the bathroom and this motherfucking guy was like whistling in the bathroom. And I was like, I was just wondering, did he wait until he was in the bathroom to start whistling? And then did he like, and then as soon as he left the bathroom, did he stop whistling? Or is it like something like, did he leave his office and he was like, I can't whistle the best. I'm sorry about that. I can't whistle the best. But he just goes, and he goes into the bathroom, just peeing. And then at what point does he stop? You know, or was it just he walks quietly to the office. As soon as he's in the bathroom, he's like, oh, fuck, I'm safe. I can whistle. Oh, fuck. I made it to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Like he's fleeing like the fucking military police. And he can only whistle when he gets in the bathroom. He's like, oh my god. He's like fucking sweating bullets walking from work because he wants to fucking whistle so badly. And he can only let it out when he gets in the bathroom. Opens the bathroom door. <laughs> and then as soon as he's back, he's fucking whistling on the way out. He watches his hands and fucking uses the dryer. And he's like... <laughs> and as soon as he opens the fucking bathroom door, he's like... <laughs> just silent again. Oh my god, this motherfucking whistler whatever oh you know what's an idea that i was fucking thinking about you know how people are always like mm, what's your legacy that you're gonna leave how are people gonna think about you when you're gone is it weird to me that like i don't give a fuck like i don't know like that's just it's just so weird to me that that's such a common thing like oh you know what am i gonna leave behind well what am i gonna do right now <laughs> Like, that's like a way more concern for me. Like, what benefit do I get if 200 years from now people are reading a book I wrote or people are like watching something I did? Like, that's cool, I guess. You're part of history and stuff. But like, I don't benefit from that. Like, that's not something I can sense with my five senses in the moment that is going to give me satisfaction and pleasure in this life. I would so much rather be full of joy and happiness and doing amazing stuff every day of my life, every day of my life. And then as soon as I die, like everybody forgets who I was. 
And like, it's like I never even lived. I would so much rather have that than have like, oh, I suffered, I toiled, I did all this, these things. Oh, but then, but I'm immortalized. I'm immortalized in the culture and people are going to take inspiration from me and read my ideas and do my things. Like, bro, who cares? Who cares? Do I want my fucking children and my progeny to, you know, have life to be, you know, more comfortable and safe? And do I want them to have all the opportunities to work hard and flourish and do what fulfills them? Yes. If that's what we're talking about in legacy, yes, I I do care about that. But in terms of what people think about me, bro, eat my dick, you know? Eat my dick. I don't care. I just don't care. I'd ra- I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I want to make a positive difference now. I don't want to make a positive difference when I'm gone because then I can't enjoy the positive difference I'm making. So I guess that's selfish. But I also feel like it's selfish to want people to fucking think you're so great when you die. Who cares? It's all selfish. It's all about you. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I also listened to like a fucking Tim Ferriss TED Talk that I loved. Is that what this is? Oh, yeah, that's what this is. So I guess he's suffered with bipolar depression his whole life. And he himself just found a lot of, I guess, comfort in stoicism. And just the idea that we suffer more often in imagination than in reality. And I guess that's something he got from Seneca the Younger. But that's true. Like everything, so much suffering is just our minds going wild. And things become true to us without us even taking a second to realize like it's not objectively true. And so he did this thing where like people are always goal setting. He did this thing called like fear setting. So it's like, what if I, and then it was like the fears, like the worst things you can imagine happening to yourself if you take the step that you're afraid to take. Like this is particularly when there's something you want to do, but you're afraid to do it. But part of you is telling you you should do it, right? Oh my God, my computer's, oh my God, the computer went to sleep for a second. So it's like, okay, what if I did this? And then you make a list of like 20 of the worst things that could happen. Then you have a prevention column. What could I do to to decrease the likelihood of this bad event? And then a repair column. If this bad event happens, how do I fix it? And then ask yourself, has this particular problem ever been figured out by anyone in history? Chances are yes. Because it's very, I don't even think I've ever heard of a situation that only like, oh my God, no one's ever had that problem before. No one's ever figured out a way through it. People have gotten through fucking everything. It's tough to remember that in the moment because you can feel like you're the only one in your problems. You're the only one going through it. Throughout history, somebody has gone through your shit. Somebody has gone through your shit. And then once you see, yes, someone's gotten through it, think, okay, what are the possible upsides of going for that risk? You know, what is the what are the most amazing things that could happen if I take that chance? And then now you can more properly weigh the cost of inaction. So what are you going to lose by not trying? You know, if you stay with your status quo, it's something we rarely consider that, right? It's like, okay, now you know all the worst things that could happen. Now you know what amazing things could happen. If you don't take that risk, what is your gonna, life going to look like in six months or a year, emotionally, financially? And you can start to paint this picture. So the easy choices will often lead you to a hard life, whereas hard choices can often lead to an easy life. You know? It's just because you're taking, it's just, it's like you're making the hard stuff now so you can be a little more chill later. But the things that we really, really need to deal with in life are probably not going to be dealt with easily, the things that really matter. But then once you kind of see like what the cost of an action is, like, oh my God, do I want to risk having this life forever? Or do I want to risk the potentialities of the awful things that could happen to go for it? Many times you'll risk it. You'll go for the thing. And a lot of times the the worst thing that you think might happen, it's not going to happen. But that was like a really like systematic, logical way that I really enjoyed him. Uh, you know, just, just writing about that. Just writing about that. I was like, damn, Tim Ferriss. That's really helpful. All right. So I listened to Impact Theory with Patrick Bet David. And uh, he's like one of the top insurance sales guys in the States. Okay, something Patrick David, Bet David did say that I really, 
did like is that everybody will unintentionally impose their belief system onto you. Think about that. Friends, family, it just happens. They don't think, oh, I, I'm giving Jeremy advice because I either assume he believes the same things I believe or I want him to believe the same things I believe. Because the things I believe are good and have meaning and have value. You see, everybody's like that without realizing it. Because so few people take the time to step back and say, what do I believe in that makes me unique? And in what ways might I accidentally be projecting that onto others? And so it's something that's very important, I think, for us to be aware of. That everybody is going to unintentionally impose their belief system onto you. So you got to have that second to take a second, (laughs) a second to take a second. You just got to take a second and be like, okay, um, do I believe those things are valuable? Do I believe those things are good? Do I really agree with this person? And sometimes it's going to be, yeah. And sometimes it's going to be, nah, you know, and uh, that's the way it is. And uh, that's just the way it is. (laughs) So you just got to be careful. Another good thing I liked that he said was just like that our our fight is like minimizing the noise of just other people's opinions, other people's thoughts. And a lot of times the most irritating noise is from the people closest to you because they feel the most entitled to influence the way your life is going to go and what you're going to do with your time and your energies. But it's just like it just goes back to that thing like they don't realize what of their beliefs they're forcing onto you and you and you love them and you respect them and you want to make them happy but it's also so important to realize like if that goes too far it can stifle the life that you actually want to live that would fulfill you and make you happy and so i think you actually got to always take that second like well what's the disconnect between what i want what i feel and what they're trying to do is there a disconnect do they see what i want do they want the same things for me that i want you know Just questions to ask. Just questions to ask. You know, don't be afraid to set boundaries and rules. Don't be afraid to upset people because when you're straight up, things are better in the end. You don't build resentment. You don't build lies. And like I've read that. Where did I read this? I read this in something. But I've seen this idea a couple times now where what really gives you the, the most fulfillment is when you figure out what your values are and what you believe and get that more in alignment with the what you're actually doing day to day with the actual way that you live your life. And yeah, oh no, that was in the happiness, in the in the middle-aged, in the happiness curve book, in the middle-aged crisis book. And Patrick, Bet David, and, and Tom Billy, you were both talking about like they have like 20, 20, 20, 20 life chunks. And they see their life in like four stages. Like first I want to, you know, work on this. And then I worked on the business. Then I want to work on family. Then I want to improve the relations of this culture and this race and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, damn, that's fucking lofty goals. That's like big stuff to take on. And also they're so rich that they get to think of their life like that. <laughs> but I could do that too. I could think of, okay, my first 20 was for this. Now my second 20 is for this. Oh, actually I will do that. Note to self, make a four chunk 20, 20, 20, 20 thing. What I'm going to focus my life on. Maybe my second 20 chunk, 20 to 40, will just be building content that, that, brings joy and laughter to people maybe that's what it is and just being the best happiest version of myself you know something i've kind of always had where it's like i used to be afraid of putting my best ideas of the moment forward or putting all my or really doing my best putting all my best ideas in my work because i would have all these things and i was like oh if i use it all up what if i don't have anything later what if i don't have any good stuff so i try to meter it out like just a little bit here just a little bit there but I've never run out. Like I'll always have so many ideas that I really love. Your boys never run out. As I move forward, I'm like, oh, I love that. That's dope. So might as well just fucking go all in. Might as well just always go balls to the wall, do your very, very best. Just having faith that even more amazing stuff will come. And that like throughout your life, you'll never run out of juice. Oh, I need to do that. I need to fuck. Oh my God, Jeremy, you better listen to this podcast yourself. Adopt that. I can see myself saying that and then fucking going back to how I used to be. No, bro, you're going to do your best every motherfucking time. You know what else I was thinking about? The fucking best job ever would change every two weeks. 
so you don't get bored doing the same shit. Like for two weeks, you're making phone calls, then two weeks, you're fucking out. Am I talking? Am I talking right now? For two weeks, you're out on the farm, like milking cows and shit and like collecting eggs. Wouldn't that be fun? I don't know. I feel like that'd be cool to fucking do different tasks every two weeks. But I guess that's only when you're in a job that like it doesn't fulfill you. Because I feel like if you're really in that job, you'd want to do the same shit all the time. You never get tired of it because it's different because you're like, oh, man, I'm doing this. But it's for this specific thing. It's so specific when you're really passionate and you're really doing it. But until then, I want a fucking job that changes every two weeks, please. Please and thank you. (laughs) Oh, here's something. I think this might have been from the Dalai Lama book. Or maybe it's just the thought I had combining things. But I was thinking about balance. The balance of, you know, and this kind of goes back to what I'm talking to with our expectations, but also our current status in life and how things move so quickly and slowly at the same time. Whereas I feel like balance is like, we need to be planting the seeds every day, but then not allowing ourselves to become impatient that the plants aren't there yet. But then you still acknowledge you want the plants. You're going to work to getting those plants but you need to find a way to be happy in the process of watering the seeds and enjoying that growth. And I feel like that's the hard thing because so many of us fucking hate watering seeds. Sometimes we don't even want to want, we don't even want to fucking plant the seeds. We'll fucking plant seeds for some other shit and then fucking water those a little bit and go off and do something else. We're like so afraid to even plant the seeds that we want to plant because we just don't want to have to fucking sit there and water them. We just want the goddamn plants. But you just can't get the plants, you know? So basically be happy watering seeds. You know what I'm fucking saying? You know what fucking... No, I'm burping. I'm burping so much. Uh, uh. You know what lesson I'm trying to talk about right now? Damn, baby. Because I was just thinking about life, right? Like, let's, let's say hypothetically in 10 years, I'm quote unquote successful. Vague term, whatever that means, let's say I'm successful. Would I want to look back on my life and say, damn... All of that struggle in my 20s, all that time I spent doing things I didn't want to do and not having the life I thought I deserved, I thought I wanted, I was so miserable because there was a gap between what I thought I should be and what I deserved and what I had. Or would I want to look back and say, damn, I'm finally where I want to be, but you know what? I've really enjoyed the journey. I have appreciated the days I've done work that I'm less than passionate about because at least I was alive, at least I got a chance to try, at least I got to grow, at least I got to figure things out. And I was like, oh my God, I would so much rather be happy through anything. Because then, it, what? Your, the success is not going to come any quicker just because I hate the way life is. So, you know, my, you, that's, that's the trick, babies. I can't say babies, that's Crystal Leah's thing. But I love saying the word baby. But that's the trick, motherfuckers. I'll call you, I say motherfuckers, that's fine. Just finding a way to be happy no matter what, no matter what. Can I also just ask, just walking around the city of Sydney, what what happened to, to suitcases? Are they gone in America too? Like I remember just growing up and looking at like the look of like a suit and suitcases. Like damn, that's fly as shit. And now all I see are backpacks. Or at best, I'll see like messenger bags that are lightly browned. Like the dude is like an archaeologist about to explore some ruins. Bro, that's not fly, bro. With your suit. Dude, homies be looking like losers walking around the CBD, walking around downtown. I just don't even, don't even want to hear it though. Don't want to hear it though. But I'm tired for tonight, man. I'm going to freaking do more of this podcast tomorrow. But the last thing I want to say before I go fucking chill tonight and go to sleep is that we're all, we're always learning. We're always getting it. There's never a point where we've learned all there is to know, where we get it, we've got it. We're always learning. We're always making mistakes. We're always growing. There was this marketing genius guy on Impact Theory I was listening to tonight who was saying that. And just that's got to be okay. You just got to be okay with that. You know what I'm saying, fam? All right, bro. Let's, let's get it in. All right, fucking time to sleep, bitch. All right, y'all. Bro. Sis. 
um, full sicko mode here. You know, I'm going to be full sicko mode here. I don't know what that means. I'm just, I'm using it to mean uh, complete honesty and transparency. I don't think that's how Travis Scott meant it, but that's irrelevant because I'm, I'm making a new definition right now. So full sicko mode right now. This is a full two days. The me, me just started talking. This is two days after that last chunk. Because you know what? That's just that real. That's just that real of our 20s. Life gets in the way. Things get a little bit hectic. And uh, we're totally sw- switching gears to, to finish up this podcast. You know why? Because Monica and I just got back from seeing a childish Gambino. Literally just a few minutes ago, I got home. And... Oh man, we just saw him at Kudos Bank in Sydney, of course. You know, that's where the big, the big wigs head. Well, he also did Splendor in the Grass, but that was a festival. We didn't make it to the festival. We had other things going on. Anyway, it was incredible. It was an incredible show. This is now the third time I've seen him live. I saw him uh, in Oakland uh, during the Because the Internet tour, which was great. I saw him at the Pharos Joshua Tree experience with Ariane, but far and away, it was amazing to see, you know, him tonight. And, you know, I just, I, I really wanted to talk about it because I do find a lot of inspiration in this because for a long time, Donald Glover was my number one inspiration in terms of being an actor, in terms of being a writer, in terms of creating his own content, in terms of doing both comedy and yeah, you know more serious things, in terms of rapping and making music, and just not being limited, you know. Because as a writer, could, people could easily have said, you know, oh, you're not an actor. Like you just stick with writing, and then he just could have stuck with writing. When he was writing and acting, they could have said, "Oh, don't do stand up, or you know, don't do don't do music, don't rap, don't." Or even when he was rapping, they could have said, "Don't do don't sing. You don't have the best voice," you know. But he's just stuck with things, and he's just grown, and just worked his butt off, you know. And and it really does show, and it's amazing to see. And I feel like the things that were so so inspiring about this show, the things that are like implementable to everybody, to like you and to me. Right, what really made this show so great? One aspect, backup dancers, super tight band. Like the instrumentalists he had going on the drums, the bass, the guitar. Like they were just all at the top of their game. You could tell they were passionate. They really cared. They had rehearsed a lot. He himself obviously was very, very polished in the way, you know, just vocally. Like everything just seemed so well planned, so well timed. You know, he was just with it the whole time like it was just very you could tell he had really really put effort into making you know each moment as perfect as possible the visuals were cool the way you'd follow him uh you know behind or under the stage and just the way he complimented that the way he went into the audience and just kind of you know made little moments out of things that didn't necessarily have to be moments just by interacting a little more making it special you know saying it's church of course, giving himself completely the completely to the performances, and also just like you know, some of the arrangements were really cool. Like three thousand five, it wasn't the way you've ever heard three thousand five. Same thing with Riot. I don't even like Riot, but the way they did it was like as cool as I think you can make it. And he just also, I think you know, another thing is just time, because there were songs there that had had years to you know, kind of brew in our consciousness that we had connected with years ago and that really mean even more to us now because they're part of, you know, our past. And that is something that can only come with time and continuing to try to make new things and working to get better. Like tonight was just a, and, you know, Monica and I both kind of like, you know, as much as we had loved Gambino before, like him canceling on Australia because the broken foot made it seem like he didn't really care. And just some things, you know, just like the way he kind of, like Guava Island we weren't keen about. And, um, you know, just some of the things he had said in interviews, I was like, oh man, he seems kind of crazy. He seems kind of arrogant and kind of selfish. But he was so, so empathetic tonight, whether it, or not it was contrived, but it felt genuine. Like he really, like it was about the crowd and being there with people and giving them positivity and hope and passion and a real experience. 
like it felt like you know one aspect that was really great he really tried to you know focus on others and and be positive you know for our lives and also just he had worked so hard for so many years making the music and it just seemed like you know he he was really led by a lot of you know perseverance and hard work just doing the just doing the concert man just doing the concert and it was oh man it was just a joy to see and a bunch of fucking Sydney motherfuckers were pulling out their joints, smoking hella weed, you know, while we were uh, while we were in the audience. And so we now know that weed is far more commonplace in Sydney than you might have realized. Uh, not as much in California, obviously, with things being so recreational, legal, and just all over the place. I feel like in LA, like weed is like, I feel like it's like almost as big as drinking now. Like how many people smoke? I mean, I don't have this. St- oh, I'm yawning. I'm yawning because it's fucking 12.25 a.m. And I'm tired. But you know what? I don't have the stats on that. I don't have the stats, all right? Don't come at me asking for the statistics. I think weed is almost as big as alcohol in Los Angeles. Buyaka. It's really big in the Bay Area, too. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see the way it all goes. But, uh, oh, man, what else can I say about Gambino? I got merch, of course, got one of the shirts with the dates, because, you know, for the memories, baby, for the memories, this is America. People went crazy for it. It's just inspiring, really, just to continue to, you know, how good can I get at the things I care about? How much joy, how much positivity, how much hope, how much of an experience of escapism can I give to people through my work? You know, this is something to really keep in mind because I feel like stuff like this, you know, dies after a day or two or a week or two. How can I really keep that at the forefront of my mind to just strive for excellence every day, knowing that, you know, this is the thing that's possible. Like this is the, you know, that's something that you can really do for people. It's like people like save up for this. They they put their time away, you know. It, it really just means so much to so many people to have performances like that. I mean, obviously me right now. Like, do you know how much that performance meant to me and Monica to be able to have a night like that with each other? And, you know, with her friends and just with the audience, like, it's just, that's the stuff you live for, you know? That's the stuff you live for. And I think Gambino really appreciates that, or more so now than ever. And it was cool to see, because, like, what, after his camp tour, he was, like, doing smaller shows, doing, like, skits in between, because the internet was really cool, but it was a, a totally different thing, that tour. Like, it's just amazing to see the the evolution and the growth and just what's possible with the right team, with the right work ethic, with the right belief. Like, you know, even as I'm saying that right now, like in my mind, there's fear. There's thoughts of fear coming up like, bro, you're never going to be that good. You're never going to be that impactful. You're never going to do this. But you don't know that. Like, you just got to try. You just got to do your best. You know, I literally, you know, thinking all all this self-growth stuff you know, these amazing concerts, I was looking out at the audience to tonight. And I just kind of realized, you know, I feel like that secret is any one of these people, if they decided to make it their obsession for the rest of their life, next 10 years, even maybe 10, 15 years, like they probably could become, they could create an experience like that, you know, in their own right for people, maybe with music, maybe with writing, maybe with, you know, whatever it is that they do, but it just really, I don't know, I was just feeling that really deeply tonight, that we all have that excellence within us, that capability, and it's up to us to cultivate that, to nurture that, and to just be the very, very best that we can be, you know? Do I want to finish up, like, the podcast I was going to do, and, like, hey, you know, talk about those last couple things and just call this podcast for... Or do I want to, do I want to come back and uh, do a podcast? Should I do like a a side podcast later? The end of the original end of podcast four, since it got hijacked by the Gambino concert. (laughs) Oh man, what an inspiration though. What an inspiration. I hope, you know, if if you're listening to this, which you are, if you just heard that you're listening to this, thank you for listening to this. God bless you or the universe bless you or the infinite intelligence bless you, whatever, you know, I wish you the very, very best. 
that life has to offer today, tonight, this morning. And uh, I want to let you know that, you know, and I, I, this might sound corny, this might sound lame, but I really, really mean this. Like if you're listening to this, you honestly have the power to do anything you want. I have the power, you know. It's just what is it going to cost? Gambino, it's cost years of effort, years of work, you know. He's had a work ethic that most people don't have for a very long time, very consistently. But he wasn't born special, you know what I mean? If he was born special, it's in that sense that he's not held back by his fears and he realizes you can do that if you want, you know. Oh, man. Anyway, I love you. Thank you for listening. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this going, of course. You know, see you next week, uh, and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to get something on YouTube pretty soon on Not Funny Funny Guy. Always on Instagram and Not Funny Funny Guy. I haven't tweeted in a while, my NT Funny Funny Guy. But uh, hey, love you, love you. Take care of yourself, and uh, wish you all the best. Thanks, thanks for being here. Sweet dreams. Uh, Jeremy slash not funny funny guy. Sign it out. <laughs>